If you want to open your Bibles first to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. Or 68, I'm sorry. A little dyslexic. 68. Uh, I had originally planned to go to California for a pastor's conference, the yearly pastor's conference, and so I was, go- I was set to leave on the Monday, and I talked just before I was going to do chapel on Friday at the school here, uh, my last chapel for the year, uh, I talked to a hospice nurse about my brother Michael, and she said he had 48 to 72 hours left to live, and I said, oh, and I didn't know what to do, and we prayed, and, and just felt like... I was supposed to go, and so we put it all together. It just all fell right into place to go there and to be with him. And my brother's two years older than me, so he's like uh, 36, and um, no, he's 59. And and so I, I got there on a Saturday, and he just looked horrible. I mean, he was barely could breathe. He's got emphysema, COPD, uh, just extremely um, difficult to breathe. So he's having, you know oxygen treatments or breathing treatments and oxygen 24-7. And so, uh, but he was really, really angry. And sometimes when people are, are close to the end, they, they do that. If any of you have been around someone who they just get like angry at the end. And he was like angry. So it, to me, it was like, this is something that's real and, and uh, this isn't good. And he's angry with me. He doesn't want to be there, but he couldn't even get up. I mean, where are you going to go? Well, take me to your hotel with you. Like I'm going to carry you or something or what? And so, um, so I stayed. And, and my my whole my only goal, besides just being you know a brother, was that he would be prepared for heaven, ready for heaven. That's that's the only reason I wanted to go to be ready for heaven. And so I'm trying to talk to him, and finally, you know, he's going like, "Okay, that's enough. Stop talking to me." You know, I said, "Well, you know how to be ready." He said, "Yeah, you've already told me." Okay, stop. Basically, he's telling me to stop, and he's, get me out of here. That's what he wants. Not get me ready for heaven. Get me out of here. I want to go home. I want to go somewhere. He's got no home, really. So, so uh, finally, uh, I'm praying and praying, well, how long should I stay? The conference has already started, and this is like Tuesday now. Conference started on Monday. And uh, so I'm just praying, God, you know... <laughs> I don't know what to do, and, and, and just through some scriptures that I had read, and then I called up my mother, and she says, listen, you need to go and leave right now, and I said, okay, like, and she, kept, she was insistent that I needed to leave, you've done everything you can do, and blah, 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 yes, mom, and, but, you know, I just, you know, I'm praying for God to speak, you know, and sometimes God speaks through your mother. Like, what? How could that be? So you moms take heart. God might be speaking through you. And I, and I believed that it was right, again, through some other scriptures that I'd read and just kind of just seeking God. And, and uh, so I left, and he was so angry. He, literally, he was swearing at me when I left great way to part. I, I may never see you again, you know. The, the nurse now had said, well, he's probably got a week to two weeks left. And so I'm going, great. I love you too. And, you know, well, you know, I got to go. And so, um, so I left and, uh, you know, I did, what could I do? There wasn't really much more I could do. But then I get a call two days later from a chaplain 
for the hospice and who also had been there with a, uh, a man from the Calvary Chapel Bakersfield had been there and they had been sharing with him and visiting him and I didn't even know about the chaplain, uh, never met him, didn't know, but he shared with me, you know, that they were talking and sharing with him about the same thing, about being ready for heaven, being forgiven of your sins and, and to, to know Jesus, to have Jesus in your heart. And, and uh, so they're telling me this, and then they said, you know, and, and I asked Michael, he says, if he wanted to pray and, you know, have his sins forgiven, and he said, no, 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 no I don't. So he says, okay, you know, and it came to be where he was going to leave, and he, and he says he was leaving the room, and he called out for him to come back. And he said to him, he said to him, yeah, you know, I do. I do. And, and so he, he prayed with him and to really to be forgiven of his sins. And that's really what the gospel is, to be forgiven of our sins, because we're not going to heaven unless our sins are forgiven. That's the only way we're going to get to heaven, and the only way we're going to have our sins forgiven is to believe in Jesus, that he died for my sins. He died for the sins of the world, and I need to receive him and believe in him. And so, you know, I'm at the conference now. This is like Thursday, um, you know, and, and I'm just going like, whoa, you know. And I, I couldn't get back, really. It's a long ways away, and I need to go see my folks who are still in the other part of my trip. I see my parents. My mom is 90, and my dad is 83. My stepfather is 83. And uh, so, you know, I, 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 I just know, and Alex texted, texted me a scripture, you know, sometimes one plants and, and sows, and the other one reaps, you know. And sometimes you do what you can do, but somebody else was going to do what somebody else can do. And so don't give up. And, um, you know, I, I probably won't see him. He, he, he's kind of like rallied since then. He's like, he's like doing really well. And, and the truth is he needs to be where he is. He's in a nursing facility. He needs to stay there because he, he's being regulated. He's being, you know, consistently taken care of. When he gets out... See, he's had a rough, rough life. I wish I would have brought a picture to show you of him because, I mean, he hasn't worked for years and years and he got kind of caught in this thing by his own choice to be on prescription medication, morphine, for the last 20-some-odd years. And so basically, he's a, he's a legal addict, basically. And so, you know... But at this point in time, you know, he's smoking as well. And if I could make a plea about smoking, please quit if you smoke because it is, it, it's horrible. It's horrible to see someone like in this, you know, 59 years old, can't breathe. His lungs are shot because of smoking. And uh, so, but he's, he's, doing, he's doing well. And I, I'm just going like, wow. Like, the, you know, okay, you know. And I, and I call him on the phone and talk to him. He just sounds like 100% different than when I was there. And uh, so, I don't know, his lungs are still shot. Unless God says some kind of miraculous healing, he's not going to last that much longer. But family is difficult, isn't it? You know, family is difficult sometimes sharing with them. And, but, but what else do we have to share, you know? Uh, in the end, that's, that's what we have is our family, you know? Heaven's coming up, and so I go to be with my folks, and then, you know, uh, talking about, you know, heaven and making, you know, plans and different things, and, you know, I don't know who's going to go first. My, my, my mother, like I said, she's 90 and still, 
you know, treats me like I'm four or something. But, um, you know, I, I talk with them every time, like, you know, Jesus, he, he's the only way, he's the only hope we have, you know. And at one point, you know, we're talking about, like, um, like arrangements after he dies or after she dies. And, she, you know, she says, you know, it's just about heaven, really. It's about being ready. She says, you know, well, you know, we've been good people. We've been good people. And I said, oh, Mom, that's just not enough. It's not good enough because, because what about Michael? He's, he's not going to make it if that's what it's based on. None of us are good enough. Not one of us can say, I'm without sin. Not one of us can say, I never, I've never sinned. One sin keeps us out of heaven because of the holiness of God. So, you know, again, family, but it, it just crystallized in my mind, you know, that we need to be very clear that, you know what, Jesus died for our sins. And as we trust and believe in him, that's what makes us ready for heaven, that our sins are paid for, that the cross that the cross was finished, the sins that he paid my price that I should have paid. So thank you for supporting me, and I know many of you prayed. Thank you for being there uh, for me and, and my family. Um, but I know that you all have families too. And I want to say happy Father's Day to you today. And, uh, but, but what I want to talk about here for a few more minutes is the greatest father, uh, let me ask you a question. What makes a good father? What makes a good father? I got a, uh, I got a short list of things here, but what, what in your mind, when I say that, what makes a good father, what would you say? Go ahead and shout it out. Spending time with your kids. Spending time, yes. Yeah. Love. Love, yes. Providing. Providing. Mm-hmm. Responsible. Responsible? Being responsible. Discipline. Being there. Being there. That's teaching. teaching. Anybody else? Safety. Safety. Mm-hmm. Protection, yeah. Anybody else? Being an, Being an example. Who said that? <laughs> yeah, Big Joe. You guys, did you read my list here? If I threw it up there, you'd see that, that, that every one of the things I, I uh, wrote down here is exactly what you said. Number one, love. Number two, just being there. Actually, pre- just the presence. Number three, protection and strength. Number four, provision. Number five, wisdom and guidance, which includes teaching, obviously. And number six, to be an example. Just being an example, how to be a dad, what a dad is supposed to be like. Now, let me ask you a couple more questions. How many of you had all that? A few of you. How about this one? You don't need to raise your hand on this one, those of you that are fathers. How many, how many of us are all that? That kind of hits home, doesn't it? But how about this one? How many of us need all that? I think every one of us would say, I need all that. I need, I need a dad. I need a father. 
I need a, I need a father. And, and, and most of you know my story. You know, my father, my real father was an alcoholic, not a good man, not any of those things, really. Not, I don't think there's one of them on the list that, that my real father provided. That's sad. That's very sad. And so you grow up thinking, you know, looking for that kind of fill that emptiness, fill that void, fill that need. And for those of you that had great fathers, God bless you, and that's wonderful. But you know, none of them were perfect either, and I think we all know that. But there's a father like that that are, is every one of these things, and you already know what I'm going to say is that it's our Father in heaven. And, and I want to ask you today, is he your father, and do you know him as father? I can say without doubt that he has been a father to me for 37 years, that the father that I didn't have, that I never had, he's been a father to me for 37 years. He has been there. He's loved me, his presence, he's been there. He has protected me, he's provided for me, he's taught me, given me wisdom, he's been an example on how to be a dad, because I had no clue, not a clue. I'm still learning, though, 37 years later, like, what was that I was supposed to do and be? Oh, and looking at this list kind of is very convicting, going, wow. I'm talking to, uh, um, I was talking to Anthony on the phone with my, my oldest son, and he, you know, he's got this thing he's talking to me about, and I'm thinking, you know, he's called me right when I'm, you know, try, trying to prepare and think of what I'm going to talk about, and, and, and i got to, you know, I'm trying to listen to him, and my mind is going like over here, I'm going... And then I put these things down and going, oh, I, I just blew it, didn't I? Like, I just missed the boat, you know. Um, but our Father in heaven, he's always there. He's always strong. He's always providing. He's always, always, always. And that's why Psalm 68, look at it, it says there in verses 4 through 6. Psalm 68, sing to God, sing praise to his name. Extol him who rises on the clouds. His name is the Lord. And rejoice before him. He is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. And he leads forth the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Those that have called upon him to be father. He is a father to the fathers. He sets the lonely in families. He puts it together as our father. You know, one of the things that, that, that comes to my lips is when I pray as I say, Father, Father, that comes right out, Father. We, you don't need to turn there, but there's a verse in John chapter 1 where, where it says, all who received him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God. How do you and I become children of God? Just as I said a, a few minutes ago, we believe in Jesus, and, and the way to become a child of God is through His Son. He sent His Son to die upon the cross for us that we might become His children. As we receive Him, as we believe in Him, and what He did for us, Jesus, that's why He said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. No one comes to the There's no other way to become a child, to call Him Father except through Jesus. 
I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look at, say, four or five verses together, uh, different passages. But let's look at 1 John chapter 3 first. If you look at this subject throughout the Bible, it, like the, the New Testament is completely jam-packed with this whole idea that God is our Father. Jesus used the words Father over and over and over again. But he did that for our benefit, that you and I might also be children of God. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. How great is what? The love. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. That is what we are. How did it happen? Again, the first thing on our list was love. He loved, he lavished this love upon us, that we should be called children of God through His Son, through His Son Jesus. But it's a, it's a love relationship. It's not... And some of us maybe have had fathers that were not loving at all. Maybe they were, maybe they were the type, you know, uh, you know, I'm providing and that's all I need to do. And I'm, you know, I, I put food on the table and I do this and I do that and I work hard. And, but they never once said, I love you. Or never once put their arm around you and, and, and told you that they thought you were special, that, that they were proud of you. Maybe some of you have a story like that. God the Father, he loves us. He loves us so much. And he's putting his arm around you and me and saying, I'm proud of you and I, I, I love you. And, I, and it says he lavishes, he bestows his love upon us. And we should be called children of God. There was a first grade student who asked his grandmother if he was a child of God. And, and she said, why, of course you are. But he looked kind of puzzled. And he said to her, well, I better get home and tell mom and dad. They think I'm, they think I'm theirs. <laughs> Am I a child of God? It's a good question to ask, though, isn't it? Am I a child of God? Yeah, you're a child of Joe and Mary, whoever the parents are, your parents are. But am I a child of God? Turn back to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, Paul writes about this. It's, again, just over and over, but we'll look at a few verses there. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. Are you a child of God? Verse 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship or adoption is the word. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The Spirit of adoption, the Spirit of God testifying with our spirit that we are God's children. It's something you just know inside. When you receive Jesus, I knew there was something that changed in my life, and I knew 
Now, didn't make, I didn't become perfect. I didn't, my life wasn't like made perfect in that second. I, I, I'm still you know, growing in my walk in life with Christ, but something happened. My relationship, God changed. I became one of his. Do you know that you're one of his? Can you say that? Abba, Father. Jesus said the same thing, didn't he, in the Garden of Gethsemane? Abba. And Abba is the Hebrew word or Aramaic word, a Hebrew type word for Father, Papa, Abba. Sometimes here, Anthony's kids call him Abba. Hear Zebbie say it. And Jesus said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup for me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus talking to his father. And, and you know, he knows. Everything is possible for him. You see, for us to say that same prayer, because we are an heir, we are co-heir with Christ, we are a child of God. Everything is possible for him. And, and Jesus spoke to his father. He said, take this cup for me. I, 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 you know, I don't really want to go through this physically. He knew what was coming. He said, take this cup from me. But did the father take the cup from him? No, he didn't. Jesus said, not what I will, but what you will. And for us to, to speak to the father, and, and we don't dictate to the father. I don't, I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem right in my mind that a child would dictate to their parents. Now, they do try that when they're two years old, right? And sometimes we're like that. We're like two-year-old, two-years-old, uh, you know, telling our dad and our mom, this is the way it is. And sometimes they say, oh, I guess that's not the way it is. Our Father in heaven, a son and a daughter, you and I, a son or a daughter, calling out Abba, Father. There was a missionary who was teaching a Hindu woman about the Lord and the Lord's Prayer. And, and he got to this part of the first part where it says, Our Father, which art in heaven. And, and the woman it says that the woman stopped him and she said this, and listen to this. She said, If God is our Father, that is enough. There is nothing now to fear. If God is our Father, that's enough. She got it. You see, she got it immediately. And in the Hindu religion, there's a lot of fear. You're, you're trying to please millions of gods. And they're not your father, and they're not really your friend. And you bring these sacrifices, and, and they're, they're little, little shrines on, on the corners of the streets. And they worship everything, because really it's based on fear. But she says, if God is our father, that's enough. There's nothing now to fear. So not only does he love us and he makes us his children, but he's always there. He's always there. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. He, he's not going to go away on a trip and then say, well, you know, I'll talk to you when I get back. He's not going to, you know, um, you know remove himself from your life. You know, I still remember, I'm, I'm what, 57 and uh, I still remember, I didn't understand what was going on back then when I was a little kid, about nine, ten years old, but I still remember looking out the window, wishing that my dad would come back, crying and wishing he would come back. I didn't know, I didn't understand. Probably better that he didn't come back, truth, truth be told. 
but God became my father, as I've already said. But, but the presence, and we know in our society that one of, the, one of the biggest problems is absentee fathers. The fathers are not there for the kids, for the family, for the wives. Not that the, the mothers aren't important. It's just that, that it's not the way God intended. It's not the way God planned. There was a little boy who, who was on his bed, and before he went to sleep, he, he kind of moved in the direction of a, a, the large bed where his father lay. And he said, Father, are you there? And he said, Yes, my son. And the little boy turned over and went to sleep without a thought of harm because he knew his father was there. Do you know him as your father? today? Do you know that he's there? Do you know that he's the father that will always, always, always be there? Tonight, it said, the little boy is an old man of 70. And every night before going to sleep, he looks up into the face of the heavenly father and he says, Father, are you there? And the answer comes back clear and strong. Yes, my son. Doesn't matter how old you are. Father, are you there? And he says, yes. My son, my daughter, I'm right here. I'm right there. Look back at verse 14. It says there that because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That the Father would lead us and guide us. And we, we talked about that, the wisdom and the guidance and how the, that a father, a good father would be that for us. And he is that, I tell you, he is that and more. He's faithful to lead you and guide you and show you the way which a father should do. And, and help you find the path and help you make your way through this life. Someone said this, how often when I can't see the road of life and have felt that familiar panic rising in my heart, I have heard the echo of my mother's voice, don't worry, your father knows the way. Don't worry, your father knows the way. I'm like that sometimes, start to panic. Like, Don't worry, your father knows the way. He will show you. He will guide you. He will, he's there. He, he's faithful. That's why Jesus talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, but, but so many other times in the Sermon on the Mount about with the Father over and over. But he, you know, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He said, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, ask for a fish, give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The Father, he's going to take care of your needs. He's going to take care of what you need. Ask, seek, knock. He's the Father. He's, he's your loving Father. He will take care of you. You'll take care of me. In 37 years, he has never, ever, 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 Ever. I can't say that word enough. Let me down and not taking care of me and my family. Never. Oh, did he give me everything I always wanted? Well, maybe not. But you know, Porsches are kind of expensive. <laughs> I 
did get to drive one once, but I wasn't a Christian then. Ask, seek, and knock. You know, when you were a kid and you, you go to your father and, you know, you, you have to ask him, you know, like, you don't just grab the car keys, right, and go driving, right? You've got to ask. Can I borrow the car? No. Well, where are you going? First, my only answer was always no first, and then, then I would ask a few questions after, and maybe I would let him borrow it. If You know what I'm saying. That's what he said. I just read it. If you then are evil, know how to give gifts, give good gifts to your children. How much more your father, who is not evil. Dad, I'm, I'm, I got this situation going on. I, I, need, I need some help. Dad, I, you know, I, I can't seem to pay this particular bill. Dad, I need help getting through this financial or this emotional thing. Dad, Dad, Dad. And the father says, no, I'm, I'm kind of busy right now. I'm, I'm running the universe, you know. I've got, I've got a lot of things on my plate. I, I'm not sure that I can take care of your particular need. Is that what our Father in Heaven says? No, our, our own fathers might say that, you know, I, listen, I've got I to go. I've got to prepare a message for that church on Sunday. <clears throat> he says, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. How about Hebrews chapter 12? We'll turn to um, one more passage. Hebrews chapter 12. We've got a couple more minutes left. Is he your father? How do you know that he loves you? Gives us a little bit of a clue here in chapter 12, Hebrews. Verse 5, you... You have forgotten, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, sons and daughters, children. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? He goes on to say later, our fathers disciplined us just the way they thought best, but, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. How do we know God loves us? Well, some of the, the things that come in our lives, some of the, the correction, the, the discipline that comes proves that he loves us. One of the ways a parent, a father shows a child that, that he loves him or her is that he sometimes is strict, sometimes does put parameters, sometimes does have to discipline and say that is the wrong way. For our good, though. So our Father in heaven, he's going to take care of us, but we need to submit to him, submit to the Father. Not just say, Father, Abba, Father, but never do what he says. The last um, scripture I want to uh, kind of leave you with, 
before we close is, is the picture of the prodigal son, and we're not going to turn there, but you all know the, the story of the prodigal son, the parable that Jesus said, you know, the, the father had two sons, and one, he wanted his inheritance, and he went, and he took his inheritance, and he went out, and he just got insanely crazy, he got involved in all kinds of stuff, spent his share of the inheritance, but finally, it says that he came to his senses and he realized, you know, what in the world am I doing? He ended up, he was feeding pigs and he couldn't even eat the pig food, the pig slop. Not that who would want to eat it, but I guess if you're starving. And so he came back to his senses, he says, and he, he, says, he said to himself, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he, he had that thought in his mind. I'm, this is what I'm going to say when I get back. I'm going to say, listen, I have really blown it. I've sinned against you, against heaven, I'm, but I'm coming back. Just make me a servant. Don't even, you know, try to, you know, I'm not really your child anymore, but I know you will at least take care of me. So he got up and he went and headed back to his father. And he, while he was still, it says, let me listen to this very carefully. This verse always strikes me. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. And get this, he ran to his son. And he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. He was still a long ways off. That means the father was actually watching and looking and waiting, looking for him to come back to the child who had wandered off. And, and it says that when he saw him, he didn't just say, well, that no good son of mine, he's coming back now. Wait till I show him. He didn't say that at all. It says he ran to meet him. And he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. This, this, just that verse alone is one of the most powerful verses, I think, for us when we wander off that. The Father wants us to return. And he's waiting, he's watching. He gave him his little speech. But the Father said, get the best robe, quick, he says. He put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Maybe you and I are estranged, or maybe at some point we might be. I want you to know the Father is watching, waiting, return to him. And he's going to celebrate. He's going to put his arms around you. He's going to kiss you. Maybe today you don't know him as a father, but you can call out to him. And the way, as I said already, is through his son who died for our sins, who we need to know we're sinners, and our sin separates us from the Father. And because He loves us, He sent His Son to die in our place. He's a Father we can trust. He's a Father that's faithful. He's a Father who will never leave. This woman wrote this uh, down about her Heavenly Father, and she says this, I've realized how my Heavenly Father shelters me from the storms of life. And when times of sorrow swamped me at my mother's funeral, I sought the reassurance of my father's presence. 
When winds of worry whipped away my confidence as I faced gangs of young people in street evangelism, I glanced up to see my father, my father's face, capital F. When floods of fear rose in my spirit as I waited in a hospital room for the results of frightening tests, I sensed my heavenly father saying, come here, little girl. And I climbed into his arms and I leaned against his shoulder and I said, ah, this is a grand place to be. She says, as I rest, as I rest in that safe place, knowing that my father is bigger than any storm that beats against the window pane of my life, I can watch the rains and listen to the thunder, knowing that everything is all right. And here I can feel the beat of my father's heart. Our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together, shall we?